Hi, you're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creative service providers on a mission to do the work they feel called to and make excellent money while they do it. This is a show for the writers, makers, dreamers, doers, creators, artists, the crazy ones, the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job. We believe in creating it. So what does creative success look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant life? How do we create the revenue we desire and hold space for our soul projects? That's precisely what we're here to talk about. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, award-winning screenwriter, conversion copywriter, former agency founder and CEO, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creatives Making Money. Today, I have a woman who really needs no introduction. Laura Bell Gray is with us today. Laura is the founder of Talking Shrimp and the co-creator of The Copy Cure, a copywriting expert who helps entrepreneurs find the perfect words to express and sell what they do in a way that gets them paid to be themselves. I'm like, who doesn't want that? Through her work with hundreds of clients, including online biggies like Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield, she's seen firsthand that putting you into your copy and all through your business is pure magic for getting people to love you up, share your ideas, and happily click your buy button. In addition to online types, Laura's list of clients and credits include NBC, Bravo, HBO, TBS, Fandango, and many, many more. So if you watch TV and don't skip the commercials, you've probably seen her words on air. Hi, Laura. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us. I have like a million and one questions for you. So, okay. I feel like you are the ultimate when it comes to really being the writer who just does like is herself, does what she wants, gets paid to be, to do all the things you like want and love to do. Um, is there anything that you haven't written at this point in your career? that I haven't written. Yeah, like a thing that oh. you haven't like worked on or written or touched or done. <laughs> the great American novel, a screenplay, <laughs> a teleplay, I haven't written a TV show. There's, a mo I mean, most things that you could write, I haven't written, but I've written on a lot of different kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> is there is there a desired thing to write that like is on your list for later that you that you know or feel called into doing at some point? No, I don't know. I'm, I'm working on a book right now. Um, and I feel like I, it, it will show me what I need to write next. It might be another book or, or I might say I'm never doing that again. Um, or it might be TV show, but I really like writing prose. Like I like, I love writing emails that, you know, I was going to say if I could get paid just to do that, but that is exactly what I get paid to do. So um, I take that back. That's, I'm <laughs> so happy writing in that form, but you know what? It would be really nice to have a TV show, like some, there's something about a TV show to me because I'm a TV freak that has legacy to it where people for years and years can say, oh my God, that's my favorite show. You wrote that. And that would be pretty nice, but I don't know if I have it in me to do that. Interesting. What makes, sorry, we're just going to dive in. What makes you doubt that you have that in you? Um, first of all, I don't, I don't really think that way in terms of like long arcs and, uh, it's all, it's also just the lifestyle of it. I'm not interested in anymore. Like I used to be really interested in doing something 
entertainment-y, something in the entertainment world. And um, that's what I set out to do in the beginning in a very vague way. I mean, that's exactly what I, how I described what I wanted to do. It was like, I don't know, something entertainment-y. But- um, <laughs> <laughs> The universe was like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. That's why it took me so long to get where I had to find my thing. Because um, I was so vague in the beginning, but I don't- so that's what I wanted when I set out, like after college, but I don't love the, I don't, I don't have a desire to be in the entertainment world in the business. Like uh, my friends who, um, who write for TV and who are showrunners and have really great careers, they're just always getting notes back from the network. And that has so little appeal to me. <laughs> Don't tell me how to make this better. It's perfect. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> torture. Some people love to edit their, their stuff and love to change it. I do not, which, you know, is going to make that part of the book writing process pretty tough, but um, that's, that's all you're doing kind of in TV or film. And it's not, it doesn't interest me. Yeah. When did you know that you were a writer and like, that was you? Hmm. Well, when I was a kid, like when I was 10 or 11, I thought of myself as a writer. And the, the beauty of that age is you don't, know, you don't know or care that you're being derivative. So I spent my days for a while writing a almost exact copy of Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn in a little notebook. Um, and you know, they say, write what you know. I, this was nothing that, except that I, nothing I knew except from, uh, Mark Twain, but um, <laughs> it, it was like stories of two boys rolling around in the dirt in the town square and, you know, arguing about each other's paw. Uh, so I don't know. But so then I, so I thought about that back then I thought of myself as a writer. And then I thought, you know, in high school, people told me I should be a writer. And in college too, I wanted to, you know, they would tell me that and I wanted to do something with writing but writing was torture for me, writing my assignments, you know, after you get past that blissful age where you, where you're not self-conscious and you don't criticize your work, um, that when I, <laughs> I quickly got to the age where you do do that and hated my, hated writing. I just hated writing. I was late with every assignment for school, et cetera. And so I had no idea how I was going to reconcile that hate with being a writer but I still thought I would somehow find a job that paid me to write in a way that wasn't torturous. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it would be. Yeah. What did you, what did, were you studying in college that you were like doing assignments that you hated writing or that it was felt torturous for you? Papers were always torture. And even so were creative writing assignments if, um, if I couldn't think of what to write and thought, but I didn't take a lot of creative writing. I took like, you know, in college, English lit and Russian lit, a lot of literature. I was an English major. And so writing papers about those books was torture, right? Anytime I had to write a paper in high school, uh, I would usually fake sick for a week to give myself an extension. Everything was overdue. It was just, uh, my father would always quote Parkinson's law to me every time I started writing it, which is the, uh, the demand rises to meet the supply when it comes to time or anything else. So the amount of time you have is the amount of time you will take. Um, so I, I was like, yes, I get it. I'm very bad with time. And that, that entered into my writing too. 
So it was a lot, it was a lot of self-torture. Yeah. What do you think is the most torturous thing about writing? Um, the most torturous thing is not knowing what to write, like not sitting down with like absolute blank screen, not, not being in motion. So being stuck and being frozen because you don't know what you're going to write is the worst. And we all know that once you start, that's how you start writing. Like the only way to start is to start. But uh, that's that part tortures me. And then also not liking what's coming out. Mm. Does that still happen for you? Like at this stage of your career, at this stage of your brand and your business, do you still have times when you're writing and you're like, things are coming out and as it's happening, you're going, I, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Yes. Um, I mean, it happens more in my book writing, my out, outside the business writing. But sometimes when I sit when I sit down to write an email and I start telling a story and it starts getting too long or going in a direction I didn't want it to, I feel like I'm painting myself into a corner, like writing myself into a corner. And that happens a lot. And sometimes I'll just have to start over in the middle of the email, um, wherever I am, just start over without, and I, I discipline myself not to delete the stuff I already put down. I will end up deleting it, but don't delete it. I just start over and start writing again. Usually it, then it goes in the direction that I want. Yeah. It's so funny. I can so identify with that. It's like, you're watching it happen, but you can't stop it. You're just like, I don't know what's happening with it. Where are we going? I got to say it. Turn it around. Turn it around. We went the wrong way. What are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, when you have a shopping cart in the supermarket and it's not going the way you want, and it's like veering you into the cereal. That yeah. Those like the wheels that just won't quite roll forward. Right. <laughs> Fingers and brain, I want you to behave. <laughs> What's the most surprising thing? Because I know you're working on a book now, so I'm curious to, to talk more about that. What's been the most surprising thing in terms of that process versus other stuff that you've worked on? Um, one thing is that it's, because it's such a long-term project, what has happened is stuff that I wrote a couple of years ago when I started, you know, I'm coming back to now to edit or maybe reshape or include and like, oh, I don't even know this person anymore. Um, the way I felt about what I was writing. I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a great and tough thing writing about your life, writing memoir, especially because it changes you as you write it. So I, <laughs> it's very frustrating because to feel like, oh, what I wrote before is no, no longer feels truthful and no longer feels melded with what I'm writing now. So um, it's, it's surprise, it's a pain, but also really great because I feel like I've written myself out of things I didn't like about myself, mm. which is, you know, I'm very, I'm pretty introspective, like when, when my, in my writing, um, very self-aware, my writing is very self-aware. And so I can really see what I thought of myself back then and things that I thought were permanent about me or whatever. So it's fascinating to have these, um, to change in this way and see it happen and reflect it in your writing. Um, it's, it's a pain and it's also amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for your book. I can't wait for it. It's called tough titties. Yes, it is. <laughs> Do you have a, like a expected date when it will be available for pre-order? 
Yes. Uh, well, summer 2022. <clears throat> oh, pre-order. No, I don't have an expected date. Okay. Because I'm like ready with my credit card. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll just collect funds. Before yeah. I publish it before it's on Amazon. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. Are you releasing any sneak peeks or like preview chapters at any point you think maybe? That'll probably be part of the promotion plan. It usually is. Obviously like the holy grail would be magazines like the New Yorker. Um, I don't expect that because I'm not in those literary circles, but who knows? You never know. You but know. I'll find places to do it. Yeah. I'm like, you know, let's just, let's decide that that's possible. And <laughs> that could happen. I do think it's possible. There's always, there's always room for the unknowns. Yeah. I think it's possible too. In terms of getting paid to be a writer, what were some of the things that you had to like initially overcome, you know, or were there any things that you feel like you had to initially overcome? Well, I am not the greatest with working for people. I found out that I'm way better working for myself because I didn't, I didn't like deadlines and my whole life was deadlines, uh, especially when I was working in promos. So working, working in promos was hard. It was a dream job. And for people who don't know what promos are, TV promos, they're the commercials that the networks run for their own shows. So, you know, tonight at 10 on Friends is a kind of promo. And so is it's not TV, it's HBO. Um, so that's the, the kind of thing that I was doing, a dream job, because I always wanted to also get paid to write, to watch TV. That was the dream. And this was as close as I could come, was watching TV and writing little things about it. Um, and it, it fit me, except that it's really, the, the expectations are really high. It's like working in advertising. A lot of the times they want something really high concept that's going to stand out and get awards. And that kind of pressure tortured me a little bit. Sometimes I would come up with something like that and I didn't know where the idea came from, but it felt like lightning in a bottle and it would be a huge success. And everybody would say, oh, you know, do something like that again for us, but not that, but that, but not that. And I was like, I can't come up with that twice. <laughs> just, um, so that that kind of pressure always hung over me, especially in combination with the deadlines that say, where's your, you know, we need your genius stuff by the end of the day. And by the end of the day, maybe I didn't have anything that I felt was genius. And so that that was a tough thing. I wouldn't say I overcame it. I would say I shifted my business model, eventually segued out of that kind of work also because I'd done it for so long. And working for online entrepreneurs and people like that with private clients, I decided I don't want homework anymore. I do not want deadlines. So I worked with them one-on-one -on -one in real time. They would set up an hour with me or a chunk of three hours or even a full day. And we would work together in real time on their stuff so that what we got done, we got done. And then bye-bye. <laughs> Here you go. Um, hope you like it. And they usually did. And then I was done and nothing hanging over me. Yeah. What was the biggest shift in terms of like mindset when you kind of transitioned your business model from doing it, you know, working on promos to sort of working with clients directly? Hmm. There was no real mindset shift except <laughs> to realize <laughs> that, it, that those entrepreneurs made for really good clients. Uh, I mean, I will say that I considered that the uncool work when I came into it, when I encountered this whole world, set my first set my foot in it. TV was the cool work. 
and then helping people with their website copy, like for their essential oil business was the uncool work. And I would still say that it is, but it's also very cool because you're helping them, you know, build their business and, and make money. But in terms of like objectively, if, if there's an objective form of cool, it's not this, it's TV, it's like TV is way cooler. So, so that was one thing was um, seeing like, oh, there's really, there's a lot of worth in doing that private client work. It's actually very gratifying, even if it's not as glamorous. Um, and also it pays, you know, the potential for getting paid is way higher. Because uh, in TV, there's a ceiling to what you can charge, what they're going to pay a writer you know, to do. Um, in fact, they don't value writing as much as they used to anyway. And most things are not voiceover based the way they were when I was first starting. Now it's like a couple of words of text on the, on the screen to some like quick cut video and uh, pop song. So um, I would have segued out of that anyway, probably, but there was really a ceiling to what you could charge there. And then with entrepreneurs, you charge what you want to and whoever's willing to, you have to, you've got to show the value of it. And then there's always somebody who will pay. That's my opinion. Hey, if you're a writer entrepreneur ready to grow your business to multiple six figures while also getting your personal writing done and making an impact, I created craft and cash flow for you. This Creative Leadership Collective is a 12-month program that will help you implement the exact steps I took to grow from six to multiple six figures, churn out writing work that got me attention and enthusiastic collaborators, and make a difference. To learn more about this virtual group program where you'll get tons of personal attention, coaching, and strategy on your writing and your business, and even some energy work and healing too, let's talk. I've opened up a few times in my calendar for quick chats just for this. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash chat to grab a time. Speak soon. In terms of, so these buckets of writing, this is something that I chat with about um, often with other writers or former writers for hire. And there's like, I feel like there's these categories of you know, category one is work that you've written for other people, you know, or other entrepreneurs, like deliverables, yeah. right? And then there's category two, which is writing for your own brand in a marketing capacity. And there's like category three, which is writing the stuff that like your heart wants to work on. So maybe for you, it's the memoir, or maybe those things sort of blend together. And I'm yeah. curious for you, you know, what's sort of different about those buckets or, um, how would you sort of compare or contrast the experience of sitting down to get it done in terms of those three different areas? Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. I love those three buckets. I, I, I have to steal that. I don't know what for, but um, <laughs> it's a great <laughs> categorizing. It is, it, it's right on. So deliverables, like when you said that, writing for other people, you know, deliverables, I shuddered because I'm done with deliverables. I don't, that was the big shift that I made in the last couple of years. No more deliverables, no more private clients. I want all my writing to be for me. So for my business or for my whatever creative project. Um, so so the other two categories, the, the writing that I do for my business and for my marketing, I love doing that because it is a form of creative writing for me. Like I consider 
all the content I produce emails, um, Instagram posts, you know, the captions and occasionally blog posts, anything that I do in my business, that is uh, creative expression for me. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. Um, that's always what I wanted my business to be. And I found a way to make that stuff actually sell something and then boom, um, that's how it makes money. And then, so the other thing, like the creative work that is just for me, that makes my heart sing, that stuff also makes my heart sing. But I do, the reason I'm writing my book is because I also want to write stories that don't necessarily have a call to action or have, um, you know, what they call in our industry, in our industry, what they call value, value <laughs> capital V. I mean, they have value. I think there are all kinds of all forms of value, changing someone's perspective um, and their their point of view, making them feel less alone, entertaining them, making them laugh, et cetera. But what our industry calls value, they mean actionable takeaways, like a spoon-fed lesson. And I do a lot of that in my business. And that's in my in my book, I'm not doing any of that. No, no, no actionable takeaways for you. No. Um, no spoon-fed value. I'm not going to say like, here's the value part. No sidebars, no little boxes on the page with your next steps. None of that. Do you find that in those different categories, the resistance shows up differently? Hmm. Um, yes. I mean, with the, with the book, because it's such a beast, it feels like a beast, just the size of it, the scope the resistance shows up in me feeling like, oh, I don't know which part to write next. I don't know where this is going. I don't know how it all fits together. And that's that can stop me from sitting down with it. And um, also looking through, oh, so much of it is gathered material, stuff I've been working on for several years or that I wrote several years ago. And looking at it all together and thinking, oh no, I love this and I don't want to change it. I don't, I don't want to get rid of it. I don't want to change it. I have to make it fit, but I don't know how. So I freak out a little bit over that. I, I become a little inflexible, like rigid about anything I wrote that I like. And I know that we all know that saying that you, that you have to slay your darlings in writing. And that is the hardest part for me. Mm, and then, so oh, sure. No, I was going to say the other stuff like emails. I don't have that same resistance because it's one little thing. And even if it's something I already wrote before, I'm happy to just rewrite it, write it from the top and see how it comes out this time because it's so contained. It just feels manageable. I don't have to worry about where it's going. It doesn't have to connect to, you know, Wednesdays doesn't have to connect to Fridays. So that feels a lot more loose. Because it doesn't have to have like an overarching storyline within it or. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have that burden. Um, and that's, that is for sure what gets me tripped up and not having done it before mm -hmm. and too many possibilities. It could go this way. It could go that way. It's overwhelming. Yeah. It's a lot of decisions to make. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I, this is something that I feel like you and I could do a whole episode on this and I, I, we won't go into it too deeply now, but I just want to touch on like this, the, the pressure of all the decisions that have to be made when you're doing something that is, is is more steeped in storytelling and is longer form, you know? So even when you talk about like TV shows 
and the thinking through the arcs and the storylines, it really comes down to like the pressure of having to make so many decisions in advance to some extent to make sure that it all fits together. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm not big on decisions in advance. That is not my strong suit at all. I mean, even when I plan a launch, it's like, you know, are you going to run the same sequence of emails that you did last time? Do you want to send this one out Wednesday? I'm like, we're not at Wednesday yet. I don't know how I'm going to feel. That's like literally how I am with packing a suitcase, by the way. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to want to wear. I don't know. Every option, every option. I'm tortured <laughs> by my husband for always pet. Every time we go somewhere, I'm like, how long have we been together? It's almost 20 years and you're still commenting that my luggage is so heavy. What do you expect? <laughs> every option. He's like, but you don't wear 80% of it. I'm like, right, but who knows which 20% of it I'm going to want to wear when we get there. So it's really hard to make that kind of decision in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, I seriously, I mean that because I feel like there are a lot of writers listening to this who need to give themselves permission to be, to not have it all figured out and to know that that's the process, you know? And so I really just appreciate you just openly sharing that because I think it's an important message. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, then you you go and read an article about, um, you know, John Grisham how he, every novel he starts, he already sees the end of it and it just pours out of him. And I'm like, oh, screw you. (laughs) Not how it happens for me. How dare you? I think also like there was an article I saw recently that was about the daily word count of most authors. And I don't know if it was John Grisham, it might've been, but one of them was like tremendously high word count on average. It might've been John Grisham and everyone else was like a thousand, 2,700, maybe 1,500. And then it was like 5,000 words a day. And you're like, what the hell, man? Like, Stop being an overachiever. Right. I couldn't even type that if I were typing gibberish 5,000 words a day. That's just too much for a pair of fingers. <laughs> it's too much for a finger to be expected to do. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I would love to ask you the $5 million question because I know there's so many like money areas that we didn't, we haven't really touched on, but um, you know, I know you've written an article and talked about making a thousand dollars an hour and like charging a certain amount and, and hitting certain revenue goals, you know, where you are. I think there was an article you published. I can't remember the, um, the outlet where it was or the platform where it was about like waiting until you were 50 to hit your first million business insider. Yes. Yes. Such a good one. Um, there's so many different money mindset topics I want to dive into with you, but I want to open this by asking the $5 million question, which is if someone just handed you $5 million and there were no strings attached, you didn't have to pay taxes on it. Give it to, it was just like, thank you universe. This dropped into my lap. It's a full 5 million for whatever I want. What would you do with the money? Oh, I know I'm supposed to say I would give it to this charity and that charity. Um, I would, you know. Yeah, it gives some, and I don't even know to which charity. I'll, we'll see when I get there. But um, <laughs> really, I would probably spend it on a new apartment in our building. Like we are always on the lookout for the one that we can afford, but that is still an upgrade. And I want an apartment with a terrace in this building. So that is one thing. And then So I wouldn't spend, I don't think I'd spend the whole amount on it. That would be too much apartment for the two of us. And then it was a little, you know, some I would put aside 
um, to grow, maybe I would make a big mistake and put it in Bitcoin. And <laughs> we don't know whether that's a mistake or a really good idea right now. But, um, and then some would be for art. I'm going to say a million for art. Do you and have an artist in mind that you know you want to purchase art no, from or no. you just know? No, I let, actually, I think my husband and I would both agree on this. He's really the art finder. He's the, the art freak um, between the two of us, but we collect together. Um, but I think if we had that kind of dough I, to spend on art, it would be a Philip Gustin painting. Mm. Oh, I have chills. I love this. <laughs> so, so the question is, where can, can I have the five million now? Yeah, sorry. Yes, it's <laughs> wa it's waiting, and it's I have it in a suitcase. So, so let me just go grab that right now. <laughs> I answered right. It's like the five million. <laughs> Welcome to the Creators Making Money Game Show, where if you answer this question right, you actually get the five million dollars. That would be so fun if that was a thing. It would or be I, so fun. <laughs> I would. I, I'd ask to come on your podcast uh, every day. Yeah. <laughs> And not just because you like me. No, not just that. <laughs> I'm still willing to come back any day. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we have, I mean, listen, you and I could go for hours because there are so many different topics to explore here. I adore you. Um, is there anything you want to leave our audience with in terms of, you know, for, for other writers listening, for other writer entrepreneurs listening, you know, any guiding thought you want them to sort of know? What, ask me a question. That's so open-ended. It is open-ended. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What else, what else we got? Let's Great. Look. So let's, so what, for the person who's struggling with holding space for their own work, in addition mm -hmm. to, to doing maybe a client deliverable and, or their own marketing, you know, doing like, I have my book and, or my screenplay or my project, but I also have my brand, but I also have my clients. And I'm trying to grow my business and it's all happening simultaneously. You know, what, what words of advice would you have for them? Okay. So first of all, with the creative project, I have a feeling a lot of people who might, who are listening to this might struggle with the issue. Oh, I don't know how that ties to what I do. I don't know how I'm going to make money from that. Um, how I'm going to tie it in, or I want to write this, but my industry wants me to write this other thing. Um, so in, so for the first issue, like not knowing how it ties in, don't worry about that. Write what you wanna write and just think of it as a separate thing and don't worry about what it's going to lead to, how it's gonna tie into your business. Um, you know, I'm writing my thing. I don't know if you have an impetus like this for the things that you write, but one thing that got me off my butt with my book was the thought if, and I really had this thought, like if a bus were bearing down on me and I knew it was going to be all over in a couple of seconds, the thing I would, one of the things I would be most mad about other than like, oh no, I didn't get to say goodbye to my husband. Um, the other thing would be, I didn't write my book. So I knew like, just thinking that like, I have to just keep working on this. I have to make this happen. Um, if you took everything else away, if the world were ending, I wouldn't feel like, oh, thank goodness. You know, I wrote all those posts on Instagram and it's really consistent with my content. 
it would only be, thank goodness I finished my book and got it into people's hands. So there's, so that's something to think about. If you feel that pull with something, do not um, worry about how it's going to tie in. And then the other thing I mentioned, don't compromise it by thinking, well, what does my industry want? How am I, you know, I was talking before about not putting in the, um, quote unquote, value aspects, no sidebars, no next steps. And in our industry, we hear over and over that you have to do that, that that's what, um, that's what people refer to when they refer to a book, they refer to a self-help book or an instructional book or something like that. So that might be something that you want to write, but if it's not, if it's something else that you want to create, don't compromise it and make it fit what you think the industry wants that or the one that you're currently in, if it's about deliverables. Don't think about that, write it separately. Thank you. That was great. Good. <laughs> yeah, and like I identify with that. I'll just share, you know, cause you were like, I don't know if you can identify with this. I'm writing a novel. I feel like it would make a lot of sense for me to write a trade book and I'm not doing uh -huh. it right. Like my first book is just not gonna be a trade book. Yeah. Will I write a trade book at some point? Probably, but it's not going to be my first book and that's what's happening. So yeah. there, you know, it's like, okay. That's um, so good. Yeah. So thank you for that. You're amazing. I adore you. Where should we stalk you? If, if, if anyone listening happens to be new to you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those are so famous. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. You make me feel famous. Um, but I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who are like, wait, yeah. who, Laura? who is this amazing Laura Belgray? And if, and if they are Googling me to find out, they've already found their way to talkingshrimp.com. Mm -hmm. um, that should be the first thing that comes up when you Google my name. I hope, let me, please let me know if it's not. <laughs> and there's something else, like something alarming I didn't know about. So talkingshrimp.com. You can also find me on Instagram at talkingshrimpnyc. And um, if you happen to be listening to this and really excited about it and take a screenshot of Jamie's uh, uh, iTunes page and then want to tag us and story it, Talking Shrimp NYC. I always love that. Yay! Thank Yay. you so much, Laura. Thank you. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money. If you found value in this episode, please don't go anywhere before leaving a rating, review, and subscribing. Also, sharing how you connected with this episode really makes my day. So please, please, please tag me on Instagram at Jamie Lynn Jensen and let me know how this episode helped you. Also, our free Facebook community accepts new members every Monday. So if you're a writer entrepreneur, come join my write and make money community at creativesmakingmoney.com group. You can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creativesmakingmoney.com. And as always, create like you mean it. <laughs>